darkness descends on the city, something happens to the girls who attend night school. You're not walking home alone tonight, are you? After what happened? We'll be all right. Something secret. Modern man has only to take a short step to wind up in the primeval jungle of his ancestors. Something forbidding. Well, we've had a few kooks in Boston in our time, but headhunters are too many. Something terrifying. Who's there? Cinema. Mm -hmm. It's based yeah. on the legend of Glamis Castle, which is the Scottish ancestral home of royalty. Oh, okay. And uh, there's a story that there's this uh, mutant sire of the house who was kept in the secret wing of the building. Excellent. That sounds awesome. But it's loosely based on that. Yeah, it's, it's a documentary, more <laughs> or less. Yeah. Hmm. All right, let's kick this off. Hey, listeners, welcome back. You are listening to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are merely three friends in a shed at the bottom of a garden talking about a horror movie. We are not professional critics, and we will spoil the featured attraction. We will try not to spoil the recently watched. Having said all that, thank you to the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. You can find their music digitally on iTunes or Amazon if you want to buy it. And I recommend you give it a listen. It's some really cool stuff. If you want to say hi to them on Facebook, they are the Moon Dash Rays, not the Moon Rays. That's a different band. And and they suck. <laughs> hey, they might. I don't know. I haven't listened to them. We've got a perfectly good Moon Rays. Why would we switch now? Yeah. It's like switching Darren's on uh, Blair Witched. Blair Witched. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. Um. Real quick. Uh, and I should probably just do this as a PSA. Um, here, let me pull something up here on the telephone. Um, He's got a rotary phone up yeah. here on the desk, mm. folks. I thought, you know, a sentence that would have made no sense 20 years ago would be like, oh, let me look at my, like, everyone's walking around looking at their phones. Yeah. It's like, what's the future like? Everyone's carrying a phone around looking at it. F phones, th that didn't surprise me. Yeah. Again, what surprises me about the future that we're living in right now our backpacks and beards yeah i never would have guessed we'd look like civil war soldiers <laughs> <laughs> same crushed crestfallen expression staring at a tablet Basically. or a phone but you know the good thing about today is if you need your legs sawed off 
they've got much better ways to do it. They do. Yeah. So amputees. Back to the front with you. Yeah. (laughs) Amputees have it better. Uh, There was a uh, celebrity death that was reported. Anthony Bourdain apparently committed suicide. And uh, that, you know, who knows what was going on in his life. We don't know his story. Uh, I think chefs typically have really intense personalities. He's had lots of addiction. And he's had addiction in his history. uh, We should uh, commiserate with uh, Aja Argento. He was going out with her last year. Yeah, he was dating um, Dario's daughter. Um, and all, all teasing aside, you know, uh, of course, people who have plenty of money and plenty going right in their lives can still have a really hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the he's, he's also the author of uh, Hungry Ghosts, which is a comic uh, based on Japanese. That I was not familiar with. Sounds like a good one. If you are having trouble, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. So uh, if you're having trouble, you know, don't just opt out. You know, call somebody. Call a friend. Call that number. Um, not to start on a downer note, but uh, I think it's worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that's, kind of, uh, that's kind of that. So uh, you've got any shows coming up? I do. I have Punk Rock Flea Market next weekend. Yeah. Did you have the Hearst show? I did. I did Hearst Con. It was How called was it? the Morbid Curiosities yeah. Expo. Uh, it was adjacent to Hearst Con. I had a good show. I saw some neighbor booths that didn't look like they were doing much in sales. Oh, it's so sad. When you see that, it is sad. Yeah. Um, I talked to a guy who does much better work than me, and he had less money in than I do. But I'm more of a hustler. so. <laughs> yeah. It, I think that's what it really comes down to. I mean, apart from just those people that go to the shows and and they're like basically crouched down behind their table drawing or oh yeah doing something yeah. else. You're like, why are you here? I, I'm at, I'll be at uh, Denver Comic Con the weekend after this goes out, mm-hmm. and uh, at the uh, the booth with uh, Alan and Matt who do you know they do the Burning Metronome and the uh, Captain Colorado series with me. Right. And uh, it's good to be with them because they're hustlers. Oh, good. Good, because uh, I don't know if I've ever told you guys my three my three S's rule rules is uh, stand up, smile, and say hi. Yeah, uh, it's you, not hard. And you go to cons where people have paid like hundreds of dollars to have a table. Yeah, and then they're just sitting there looking in their phone or being oh, glum yeah, or yeah. doing something else, and you just, just knitting. Knitting. <laughs> not, yeah. Yeah, you're just not bothered trying to talk to them. I can't. I can't believe how much tickets are to the Comic Con. How much do they know? It's like 60 bucks for one day. You've been fleeced before you walk through the door. I, yeah, yeah. If I spent 60 bucks, what would that leave me for merchandise? Nothing. Right. What you know, good is it? I thought about that. Um, if there were a really good social media presence for anything I do that involves a vendor booth, I think I would say, you know, come to my booth and spend X amount and I'll give you this amount of something. Just, just to say... Here you go. I appreciate you putting up with paying 60 bucks to get in the damn door. Yeah, we at the table, we always have like stickers or, or pamphlets or yeah. something of ours that we can just give away. Something free. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> like I will, I will sweeten any deal. If somebody is just like, oh, I'm on the fence. Should I get these two or those two or this one mm-hmm. too? And I'll just be like, tell you what, you buy those two. I'll give you that one half off. Yeah. And. I'll sell them three things, one of them at a discount. I don't care. Are there any scary movies set at conventions? There should be. (laughs) Um, There's 
no, that was a Family Guy episode. Never mind. <laughs> there was something, some crazy fight scene. No, that was a cartoon. Uh, yeah, I love it when like uh, crime shows or something. They have like the Comic Cons. Oh, the, I've seen a couple of those. Nerdy, yeah, uh, cliches. And... Oh yeah, it's it's like blackface for nerds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not okay. <laughs> we don't want to fall into your stereotypes, people. I don't know. They're pretty dead on, I'd say. <laughs> Dead-eyed people, <laughs> right? Murdering right. one another over comic bookeries. Yeah, <laughs> fat guys who live in their mother's basement. Oh yeah, if, if you're a, if you're a, in front of the doors at San Diego when the the people want to get in and get their bargains. Oh my god, you're a dead man. Yeah, you've been to San. You've been to San Diego yeah, a few times when I was doing Ninjago. Oh yeah, I wouldn't go if it you know if i was paying for it myself oh there's, no it sounds like hell on earth mm-hmm. there's got to be less inspiration to make the trek to san diego now that every you know medium small city on up has their own comic-con yeah and uh like uh uh one of the big attractions there was like the the movie preview hall and that's been scaled yeah. back yeah because studios have realized it doesn't translate into sales money and and marvel is now that they're with Disney, they're concentrating more on Florida. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't see it staying at the size it is for much longer. No. I Not that they care about comics anymore, but the dealers have pulled out because it's just not a moneymaker. Yeah, they can't it's afford so expensive. it. Comics? What are those? <laughs> yeah, they used to be at these things. Get them started and then... Yeah. Pop culture Other con stuff takes over. Yeah. Did I mention that I went to um, Torpedo Comics uh, brick and mortar store in uh, Las Vegas when I was there? No. Oh, okay. So I, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I really thought this guy was familiar. Um, not this last time I went to Emerald City Comic Con, but the year earlier. Mm-hmm. And this guy was like, "All right, cool, original art." And he comes up, and we're still unpacking. I'm helping my friend Dustin at his uh, at Plastic Empire, his uh, Funko Pop booth. And, um, you know, we're putting out my artwork and, uh, this guy is like, Oh, cool. I want to buy this, this, and this. And he buys multiples of each of, of these, um, parodies, uh, that, that are, you know, fairly funny to medium funny. And, um, and I, and he looks so familiar and I don't know who this guy is. Come for the medium funny. Yeah. Stay for, Stay for the funny. <laughs> right. So... I swear this guy looks familiar and he's like, yeah, drop by my booth. It's called Torpedo Comics. And I drop by and, and I check it out and it's like, I'm not in the market to buy any comics. And I thought, damn it, this guy, his face, I, I've seen him somewhere and I look on his Instagram and there's a bunch of pictures of him with a bunch of other dudes that all have like their arms folded and scowls on their faces. He's the drummer from System of a Down. Oh, okay. And so I'm like, oh. That's why I know his face. Okay. He's been on the cover of like Rip or Hit Parade yeah. or whatever metal magazines still exist. Cream, Kerrang. Guy with an Armenian name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of the four guys right. with an Armenian name. Yeah, John. Uh, oh, geez. Anyway, uh, so he's uh, uh, so he's got a brick and mortar store that apparently uh, the artwork he bought from me and all the comics that he bought over the span of that series of weeks or months are still packed up in uh, tractor trailers <laughs> on some lot somewhere in Vegas. Oh. Where land apparently is still cheap. And he opened this really nice new store. And we pulled up to go to a Chipotle because it was near a Home Depot after we bought some stuff for the trade show for Counter Couture. How many stories start that way? 
Oh, God. All of them, right? Pulled up to a Chipotle after going to the Home Depot. Like every slasher, every porno starts the same damn way. And so I look to my left and I went, Torpedo Comics, it's right there. So I go in. He's not working, but I go in and and there's a very large ATAT or AT-AT, whatever you want to call it, Imperial Walker. And it's kind of sticking down in the middle of the whole store. And I, and I realized oh, that. Oh, okay. I've seen that picture. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's his, his new store. So he told me when I saw him last, I said, hey, how did my art do? And he told me, oh, you know, I haven't even... Crap, we had to close down, man. <laughs> we had to reopen Stunk elsewhere. Stunk up the whole place. No, it's still... Changed my name. Moved it's, out of Vegas. It's getting heat damaged in some tractor trailer. So uh, I got to see the store, and it's really clean. Everything's just immaculate. Mm, that's unfortunate. It, it doesn't have the dingy comic book <laughs> store, but give it a few years. It might. Yeah. It'll smell like old newsprint in no time, I swear. I miss those stores. I oh, mean, God. Where the, you the could sm- dig through all those boxes full of crap. Silverfish running up your arm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One guy who looks like he he's going to close any minute now. Yeah. Yeah. And before they realized how much things were worth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. so much more fun. Yeah. <laughs> where people were just happy that you were carting crap off. Right. right, right. Yeah, take it. Oh, throw this Get in it. as well. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like. So, recently watched. Who wants to go oh, first? Uh, so, this week we had the uh, teaser trailer for Suspiria. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the trailer for Halloween. Which I just watched this morning. What Halloween is this? 15? I don't know. 16? I don't even count anymore. Do the Rob Zombie ones count? I count them as Halloween movies. Okay. Um, so they would be what like there's got to be like what eight or nine nine, I was thinking eight or nine yeah and this would be Halloween 10 if you don't count three as a Michael Myers movie I count three twice okay (laughs) so Jamie Lee Curtis was in H2O so is this H21 Mm. oh is Jamie Lee Curtis back in this one yeah yeah. is she finally playing the killer her, her granddaughter well, she she wants she wants him to escape so she can kill him. Oh, so she's going to help facilitate his escape from the looks of it, or not? Maybe perhaps we don't know. We, don't know. we, we haven't seen it. Yet. Spoilers? Well, not really. We can't spoil anything we don't know. <laughs> so you you watched the trailer? Uh-huh. Are you, you intrigued? Uh, oh, well, we should go and see it. Yeah. Yeah. Your arms are folded, your toe is tapping. I'm not, I'm not really excited. <laughs> I'm, I've not seen anything I haven't seen before yet. We've been hurt too many times, I think, is what's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I like kind of like the um, this kind of checkerboard uh, asylum. Oh, yeah. Like, like la- Talk about land being cheap. Yeah. Wherever they are, they've got this like uh, institution where there's this huge courtyard. It's like the, like a Russian plaza or something. It's massive. And, and then there's like squares drawn off so that particular inmates could be isolated. Oh, man. Yeah. Is this uh, Haddonfield? Where they employ most of the town there at the <laughs> right. institution? Yeah, the, the entire population. Is in, is in the mental illness business. Well, the Haddonfield lovers played there once. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They, they keep the inmates happy. Well, there's, uh, let's see, there's um, the, the Haddonfield uh, Mental Institution, there's uh, Rabbit in Red and Phelps Garage. Mm-hmm. And then, then there's uh, that, ha- that hardware store. Right. And the high school. Oh. Outside of, oh, and uh, Strode Realty. There's the, uh, there's the garage outside of town where he, he stops off again. 
Oh, is it like, Phelps? Like he did in Halloween 4. Where he stole the truck from? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's Phelps Garage. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I read that on the side of the truck. Okay. Yeah. Nice. When uh, Loomis is using the phone, bo- uh, phone booth. So... Uh, so recently watched movies. Either one of you watched anything? Yeah. Uh, what did I watch? I watched a fantastic Riff Tracks uh, movie called, they had it titled Deadly Instinct. The original title is Breeders. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, man. They, <laughs> uh, funded by the Isle of Man Productions. Mm-hmm. It's set in Boston. So... Uh, I have a bunch of British actors doing American accents. The two leads are, well, I think the guy is actually American. The lady, uh, uh, I think, was, she did a pretty good accent, but uh, this large guy who all I saw, I'm pretty sure I've seen him in British television shows, but uh, <clears throat> he, uh, <laughs> to American it up, he wore a cowboy hat. <laughs> He was a detective. He wore a cowboy hat, and he spoke real slowly, Mm. just like, ooh, and he would slip in and out. Everybody would slip in and out Mm -hmm. of accents. Is this Boston, Arizona? Uh, This is is Boston, USA. (laughs) Right, okay. And a girls' school, kind of like our movie of the week. Yeah, our featured attraction is supposedly in Boston. Uh Uh-huh. Well, it was more Boston this than this Boston. Huh. They had the basic British uh, police jacket, but they just put Boston on the back or huh. the front. Um, the guy's wearing a sweatshirt with a big American flag on it, so you know it's America. Oh, they yeah. really put it in the signage in every scene. You oh, know? yeah. Um, but, oh, man, just... Ha- I, I was... Uh, Surprised I haven't seen a killer alien monster living in the basement of an all-girls school in Boston movie of such caliber in a long time. Uh, Check it out. That sounds like good times. It was pretty funny. They, uh, you know, they crawl into this tunnel and the guy bumps the wall and you see the brick wall move. It's that quality. So just barely a notch above Ed Wood. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's uh they had a pretty good monster except it has big long rubbery fingers with claws on it. It looks a lot like the alien with eyes. Um but they show you oh they're so proud of it, they show you it all the time, so it looks just worse and worse as the movie goes on. You're just like this monster's becoming less and less convincing. Mm-hmm. So you watched that. I recommend it. Um, any new Pardon My Murders? No, we haven't watched any Pardon My Murders. I've been rewatching the remix of season four of Arrested Development. Oh yeah, that's right. So I heard about this remix. Yeah, it, I think it works better than the than the original way they put the season four together. Right. So this is more of like a director's cut. Uh, this is more of a recut to make them. 22 minute episodes uh in the same vein as the first three seasons oh whereas originally in season four they um 
Tried to go 48 minutes? They couldn't get all the cast together at the same time, so they focused on individual people per episode. Right. And then they just played with the length. So some of them were like 40 minutes long. Some of them were only 20 minutes long. I may be exaggerating here, but they didn't all have the same time. And they, I don't know, they didn't seem to play jokes the same way. Like they really tried to stretch things out. So they'd have a setup and you wouldn't get a punchline for several episodes, which worked as the series went on. But the first was, first six episodes was just all set up it felt like and you didn't really know what was going on it just felt like bad timing yeah bad timing or episodes where scenes would just go too long and then the last six episodes or whatever it was uh played a little bit better because they they started the story started connecting making sense but uh, and then Ron Howard came back in and did some some new narration. I understand. So now they brought yeah they brought in him and to explain some jokes and uh, they've cut him up and whatnot and I don't know. Nice plays a little better. So was that it since last time? Um, I believe so. Right on, um, Julian. You want to go next? Yeah, uh, last one I watched was Dead of Winter. Uh, there are several movies called Dead of Winter. Some really good ones. Uh, I wasn't so keen on this one. This is from uh, uh, this year. Uh, And on the blurb, uh, it says, In the Rugged Wilderness of Colorado. And uh, so I thought it might be a locally made film, so I wanted to support it. And it was not? No. Not even uh, shot in Colorado? No, it's filmed in Ontario. Uh, And they don't really refer to it being Colorado. Uh, You see coordinates given at various points in the movie because it's about this, like, uh, treasure hunt in the wilderness oh, okay. in the winter which makes no sense I don't think any company like, would be allowed to do I hate coordinates in movies Ge- geocaching yeah, is stupid you, the, in a movie one of the coordinates they set of coordinates they give is for the Colorado Rockies just oh, okay. like north of Eagle Valley mm. um, but uh, then you see some other ones and it's like that's Canada it's <laughs> like 50 something <laughs> oh yeah uh, so it didn't yeah, you know, and it is, it's got kind of slashery elements on the cover makes it look like a, a slasher, but it's not really. It's like more of a thriller mystery thing where someone's bumping off the, the, the treasure oh, hunters okay. um, for some reason. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's got decapitation in it. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> Boring. But, uh, yeah, bits of it are quite dull. Um, some of it is quite, it's quite well done. Um, it's got the cost is pretty good. Um, anyway, would you call it mildly entertaining? Uh, yeah, on the lower end of mildly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, less entertaining and more mild. Uh, if you want to see a good Dead of Winter, there's one with uh, Mary Steenburgen. and that was, that was a really good one. The one from like the late nineties, from the mid eighties, uh, I think maybe. I, th- I think I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, any Mary, Mary Steenburgen's in it. That one's good. Yeah, I think I've seen that. All right, uh, really good one. Uh, Witness for the Prosecution, 1957, Billy Wilder. Huh. Oh, yeah. Uh, so this is uh, Agatha Christie's story. Um, so you'll see some proto-jello things if you want to look for those. Uh, Charles Lawton, Marlene Dietrich, Tyrone Powell in his last movie. Elsa Lanchester. Oh, wow. Who was married to Charles Lawton. Uh, Una O'Connor, your final, your uh, favorite. 
Yes. Uh, she's, she's not in it much, and she's very toned down, and it, it's her last movie. Uh, then you've got Henry Danielle, um, John Williams, you know, that you, you recognize them both from various uh, TV series at the time, like Hitchcock TV mm. series. Uh, Torrin Thatcher's in it as the, uh, the prosecution lawyer. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is really good, and it's got this amazing twist in it. Okay. It's just like, holy cats, you know, you, you just, I, I rewound it and I okay. watched it again. I'm going to watch this. It. It's really good. Um, Okay, not the... Oh, God. Uh, so, uh, on the El Rey Network, they had uh, two Night of the Living Dead movies. Night of the Living Dead 3D from 2006. The one with Sid Haig in it? Yeah. Does it suck? Yeah. That's what I've heard. This is like a tongue-in-cheek, in-jokey remake. Um, similar what? plot, but the characters have, like, cell phones, and they watch Night of the Living Dead on TV, and they, you know, they refer to playing Doom. It's horrible. It's got, it's, uh, yeah. I don't Do they watch Night of the Living Dead while the zombies are getting in? Yeah. They're, they're ah. watching Night of the Living Dead on TV while the zombies are massing outside. Uh, there's lots of yap, yap, yap. I mean, it's one of those low budget movies where they go for talky, talky, talky. It's Talk is cheap. Really dull. Uh, yeah. So you've got Sid Hagen in it. He, um, He's all right. And then, uh, Night of the Living Dead. He's almost good in anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that came out quite right, but he's almost good uh, in anything. Yeah. Not, not Living Dead Resurrection from 2012. This is like a Welsh film, whereas like a, it's a, another zombie on Ooh. outbreak. And uh, I thought, oh, set in Wales, that might be interesting. I'll watch that. Uh, but basically, uh, is this the one with the shotgun through the mail slot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I saw that. You saw it. What did you think? I thought it was not great. No. No. They tried it's, to have a Ben character, sort of. Yeah, yeah. They, insofar as he's black with a button-up shirt. Right, yeah. The similarities end there. Uh, well, he tries to be heroic, but... More, more yap, yap, yap. Relentless close-ups. Yeah. It's like, mm. it's like ooh, we're going to make some gore now. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm, Keep trying. Yeah, everyone's filmed just like the, the chin to like the top of their forehead. is just... TV. Yeah. Dull. TV filming. Right. Uh, okay. And then uh, uh, more interesting, I saw, uh, uh, I was inspired by the, the movie of tonight to uh, to watch um, some Jello because it's obviously like an American kind of Jello. Yeah. And uh, and because it's got like a, a motorbike helmet killer in it. Okay. Uh, the Wraith. And there's a couple of <laughs> Jello that do that. Um, so there's, um, uh, one of them's a, uh, what have they done to your daughters? AKA, what have you done to your daughters? 1974, where you've got a biker with a cleaver. Wow. Oh. And then there's this one, which is Strip Nude for Your Killer. <laughs> All right. Uh, from 1975 uh, for, by Andrea Bianchi. Uh, this one's got Edwige Fenech in it. I don't know who that is. Oh, okay. Um, Italian. Well, she's actually French. I think, oh, okay. but uh, she's she's a one well, of those uh, Italian goddesses. She's oh okay. She's she's done several giallo. I know her if I saw her. A whole bunch of sex comedies uh, with uh, some of them with uh, Lucio Fulci. Oh okay. Um, she was in um she was cast in Hostel Two. Oh okay. As an art instructor. Um. Anyway, uh, strip nude for killer. It's largely kind of uninspired. There's no likable characters besides Fenech. Um, but it, it works. It's, it's 
kind of mechanically. Uh, the scariest bit is this guy. He he, he gets the uh, this woman into his uh, car, and then he takes off through Milan. And this doesn't look like they've cleared the streets. I don't think there was a budget to clear the streets. Oh, they I'm sure they in, didn't. And then you've got this camera, which is her point of view, pointed out the front window. It's terrifying. Oh, my God. <laughs> he just goes, takes off. Just uh, doesn't stop for anything. Yeah. Uh, like Italian car stunts at this time in the 70s. Like you watch some of those police thrillers. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they just they did it for yeah, real. Yeah, yeah. Everything in those movies. You need a zombie fighting a shark? Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. They actually killed a guy and brought him back and yeah. threw him to a shark. Um, killed the shark too. So this one's about brought it back. A, yeah. a botched uh, gynecological operation, and uh, then a whole series of murders commences at the Albatross Modeling Agency. Uh, there's lots of shots of a certain whiskey bottle label. Oh, J and B. They must have got yeah. crates and because, like the uh, if if you don't know, uh, in in if you watch an Italian movie from the seventies and they show you J and B, yeah, they got a crate every time they showed that on the screen. Oh, so, uh, yeah. So that they must have had a, a truck yeah. backup with this stuff for this movie. <laughs> I want to watch this. Uh, I wish there was more of the, more of the sam- Well, there you go. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, yeah, I wish there's been more use of the soundtrack because it's pretty cool, funky seventies yeah. thriller soundtrack. Uh, uh, women get naked for various reasons, but they all seem to be pretty in control of their own sexuality, and all the men are impotent in some way, hmm. at least huh. at some point. Uh, and then, like the movie we're watching, also the the killers uh, triggered by running water. Oh, so there's water plays into it. But, yeah, so it's got some pretty cool bits, you know. Uh, it looks quite. You know, they they make use of like coloured light when they get to the photo studio. And, oh. Well, that sounds better than tonight's movie. <laughs> so far, uh, was that it for your list? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> okay, my list, short list, one movie. 1986's Highlander. <laughs> oh, good. So you can lend it to us now. Yes. Um, Did you go out and buy it? I already owned it. I oh, just had that's not. That's right. You had you had bought it, but yeah, you had not watched. It. I had not watched it yet. I was glad it was not a rental style copy, because I'm pretty sure I probably bought it at Second Spin when that place still existed, and uh, it was just a straight copy. Um, there weren't any extra features to speak of. There were some, but they were just dumb. Uh, there wasn't like cast interviews or anything. I think they had a commentary, which I wasn't about to rewatch the movie. No. Um, I'm sorry to report, Will, that it really holds up for me. <laughs> Does it? Yes. Uh, it's okay. It all comes down to what do you want from Highlander? Well, the story is a little silly, but it's fantasy. It's not sci-fi. It's not horror. It's definitely just fantasy. You want French people playing Scots and Scots playing Egyptians. Um, yeah, basically uh, Egyptians who are who are actually currently Spanish. And he worked on his accent, which you could totally tell the difference. Uh-huh. Um, the uh, camera work was beautiful. Uh, some of the locations were awesome. Uh, actual castles in Scotland uh, mm. and the countryside and, and rocky uh, hilltops in Scotland. Um, there was, uh, some stuff filmed in England that was supposed to look like New York and it did cause it was like alleyways. Um, but here's what didn't work was some of the special effects were just, 
um, they didn't have technology to make them look better than they did or whatever, but it had a $19 million budget. I don't know how much of that went to Queen and how much of that went to Sean Connery, but they had enough to make this thing mostly look pretty damn good. Um, a lot of the sword fighting could have been choreographed better, but my biggest complaint early on was, okay, you see, uh, you see the Highlander, uh, or as he's currently known, you know, Connor McLeod is currently known as Russell Nash, and he's watching a wrestling match at Madison Square Garden, and uh, he suddenly has some crazy connection, some psychic connection, and heads out to the parking garage, and uh, there he sees Fazil, and he starts, you know, he tries to, to you know, hey, wait, and then no, Fazil wants to just fight him. Uh, the gathering apparently has begun. All the immortals are going to be drawn to one place and battle it out till there is only one left. Uh, Fazil, for whatever fucking reason, has to do the gymnastic. Uh, what do you call that when you flip from your hands to your feet to your hands to your feet? You somersault over and over? I don't know if, if that's got a special name. Why is he retreating doing that? You could run much faster than you can do the, the somersaulting. I've seen like ninja characters that are supposed to do that. Oh, yeah. They fade into the background doing that. Yeah, and you know, maybe a few flips and you disappear into the darkness, or maybe you trip over something. Or maybe you just. Son of a bitch! <laughs> God! <laughs> damn it! Thorn bushes! Uh, but there, you know, maybe you do that move to flip over somebody swinging something at you. I could see that. Mm. But he's just like. Into the distance. And I'm like, that's about. 30 of those in a row well, <laughs> like you're just traveling that way it's in the low wolf series where the, the ninja sometimes do that but they'll they'll do like little jump cuts in the process so that oh, they okay. blend into the background better oh it's not just like the hero watching them for two minutes doing like standing, somersaults standing there drumming their fingers <laughs> watching them disappear uh so that was dumb uh yeah some of the sword fighting stuff didn't look really necessarily believable and uh Here's what you do get. A lot of decapitations. Um, or beheadings, actually, I guess you should call them, since they're deliberate and done by a person. So a lot of beheadings. Um, you get some characters who have some motivations that they can't do much about. They just have to follow through because the menace or the conflict is coming to them, whether they like it or not. But they're all up for the task, apparently. Uh, you get a villain who is funny and scary as hell, Clancy Brown as the Kurgan. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got uh, an attractive love interest uh, and some interesting flashbacks, which the other big complaint is Sean Connery, the Egyptian who's now a Spaniard and apparently worked on a Spanish accent. Uh, yeah, show me where any of what he says sounds like a Spanish accent. I can't hear it. But uh, apparently he was at some villa or some hotel in Spain and needed to record the voiceover for the beginning where he goes, from the dawn of time we came, moving silently down through the centuries. And you could hear all his S's as he says it. Apparently he recorded it like in a bathroom or a big shower or something so they could get that little reverb kind of sound, that echoey sound. Uh I liked most everything about this movie. Mm, um, okay. So the chase scenes looked good. The car chases, uh, the fight scenes, mostly decent. The choreography with the sword fighting could have been better. It wasn't terrible. Uh, there were some scenes I was watching. I'm like, okay, I know I've seen this movie a lot, but I haven't watched it in like 12 or 15 years. That was not in there when I watched it, which was 
uh, a World War II flashback where McLeod is running through some battlefield and goes to help this little girl. And all of a sudden, this uh, SS guy just comes through the, you know, the area that he's in, like under some overhang of a bar, barn or in some clearing somewhere or whatever. And he's protecting this little girl and this uh, SS guy just lets it rip with a machine gun. He shields the little girl and then he jumps up and beats his ass, takes the machine gun away and shoots him. Yeah. And it's like a very brand new looking SS uniform and uh, everything's very succinct. And that explains how uh, McLeod met uh, Rachel, who takes care of his business. You remember the secretary type woman who's older? Mm-hmm. Like much older than him? Yeah. Like 20 years older than him? Was actually a little girl when they met, and he hasn't aged. So that's their origin story in a very short scene. Like why they edited that out, I don't know. And then the part where he's having the drunken duel that is his friend, the the guy who was wearing the uh, kimono when he meets him on that bridge. He has a flask. Anyway. I don't remember that at all. Uh, he's like, well, remember the last time we saw each other? Oh, you were so drunk. And it shows a flashback to like colonial times and uh, McLeod's drunk and trying to have a duel with some foppish, snooty, rich guy with a powdered wig. And mm. the guy keeps stabbing him and he keeps not dying. And he has some assistant that keeps coming up trying to kiss him on the mouth and brush him off and stuff. And finally... After that, assistant brings him pistols, which he decides he's not going to use. Uh, as the as the uh, assistant is running away, he shoots him in the back and kills him. Mm. And it's like, that seems like a dick move. I mean, he's a little overwhelming, but you didn't just shoot him. But McLeod apologizes for calling the guy's wife a bloated warthog. And then mm. wanders off drunk. So, um... Why why did I rewatch this? Well, because I, I, I said it was bad. It felt like a dare. And, it felt like a dare. And I watched it expecting it to not hold up, but trying to keep an open mind. And I actually really enjoyed it. And I thought, man, whoever did the camera work on this, or who, however many people did the camera work, actually did a very nice job. Uh, so I do recommend it. Um, yeah, I want to see it again. Yeah, um, it does say that um, Russell Mulcahy, the uh, the guy who uh, directed this thing uh, found that cut of the World War II scene very objectionable. It's like, well, you, that explains a character mm. and how he knows them. Um, yeah, the, uh, Clancy Brown is great as the Kurgan, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it didn't do well, apparently. Um, I'm trying to find how much it did at the box office. Oh. The budget was nineteen million. It did twelve million worldwide, so it lost money. Ouch! But enjoyed a lot of success as a rental and as a cult film. Mm. So, Highlander. So they so they made the sequels because of the rental. I wonder if they did. Sounds like it. Yeah. Video sales. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's any other explanation. Hmm. But I need to, you know, because I. I use the little voice remote thing. And I'm like, find Highlander. Cause I'm thinking oh, do I have to get up and go get a DVD and put it in the player. No, uh, there, there were like all manner of sequels and TV series, but not the original movie. Oh. It's like, why is that? Cause that's the one that costs money. Apparently to... they buy the rest of them as a bundle. Yeah. The rest are all sold as a bundle. Like, yeah. We'll throw in the TV series with the first two sequels. Yeah. Should we talk first about two movies? No, first two sequels. Yeah. Oh, oh damn it. 
See, I would have gone for that sequel, but I want the original. Night School. Should we talk about it? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the poster. Did you did you see what the poster says on it? Uh, in the U.S., it says a lesson in terror, and the U.K. it says man is the only animal that kills for pleasure. Mm, this must be another version that has, and the margin- classes out. <laughs> Fat Albert, you like school on Saturday? No class. Um, on the movie poster, it says A is for apple. B is for bed. Oh, yeah. C is for co-ed. D is for dead. F is for failing to keep your head. (laughs) So, at least this was the feature movie debut for Rachel Ward. Yep. Yes, yes. Very easy on the eyes. Yes. Um, Sort of has a shower scene. You know how last week... (laughs) For Shin Godzilla, we didn't talk about the movie much because we all enjoyed it. Right. This week, I don't feel compelled to talk about this film very much, but it's not for the same reasons that we didn't talk about Shin Godzilla. (laughs) This movie... It was procedural. It was very procedural. It felt very made for TV. It Uh felt like a really watered-down Jallo. This was a video nasty Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have that note too. I could not believe it. Well, the, the, that list didn't depend on actually seeing the movies. Okay, that's true. Yeah, isn't that it? that makes sense. Because this seemed, compared to some video nasties like uh, Mother's Day, this mm-hmm. seemed very. Stayed. Oh yeah, this is very mild. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you hardly see any of the. You you movies. have blood, but the blood looked very fake and. <laughs> um. That was about it. There was yeah. a lot of cutaways. There were no... There was obscured or partial or implied nudity, but no real nudity. And a, a couple severed heads that were not, you know... Not really all, shown. Other than the one in the fish tank that fell and hit a turtle. Well, yeah. Old, that was... The old head in the fish <laughs> tank bit. Yeah. Man, I loved it in the 20s. I love it now. Right. I, I couldn't find that many movies that did that gag, though. No. As uh, Eyes of a Stranger uh, from 81, and He Knows You're Alone from 80. And then there was uh, The Silent Partner from 1978. Hmm. That's um, more than I would have guessed. Which is... Uh, yeah, that's got a head in the fish tank. Should we give a quick rundown of what happens in this movie? Yes, but first I have to ask, could you understand everything they were saying through their thick Boston accents? <laughs> Yes. Okay. So yeah, go ahead. Uh, do you do you want to give the rundown? Sure, sure. Uh, there's a murder in Boston. Uh, a student from night school has lost her head. Mm-hmm. A cop investigates uh, by going to the school. He talks to a professor who was teaching the student. Um, the professor seems pretty uh, liberal, we'll say, with sleeping with the with the co-eds yeah um he's also sleeping with his lab assistant who Uh lives with him uh more people wind up dead turned out surprise surprise he's not the killer she is yeah uh should they have had him they should have had him wearing red herringbone pants (laughs) yeah (laughs) then there's a double twist and then there's a triple twist yes. at the very end for a little gag, a little ha-ha little winky from the wink. filmmaker. A little winky, wink, wink. Um, 
Yeah, this was like a Jallo, but just totally flavorless. Yeah. Jallo made in a factory somewhere. Yeah, un- un- unflavored Jallo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably the, mm. the best way I could describe and it. And though there's always room for Jallo. Yes. Uh, I felt full after watching this. Yeah. So. And yet empty at the same time. There, there is a good American Jallo, though. Uh, have you seen Clute? Clue, yeah. Clute. Oh, Clute, no. With uh, Jane Fonda. Okay. I've always heard of this, but never have seen it. Yeah, early 70s was right in the like golden age of actual oh, nice. Italian jello, but it's really good. Okay. Hmm. So this one was from 1981. Um, I have to wonder, as far as slashers go, what came before this that it might have been like riding on the wave of? Uh, well, I think uh, this was made as more of a jello style police procedural right thriller um did it, it then it's got get like kinda... nods to slashes because of you know that was what was hot in 81 that's what i was wondering was this kind of tacked onto the slasher yeah and it thing was like on, not on really with a slasher like, yeah it was like uh grouped with the video nazis and everything but yeah. it's, it's not um so uh yeah if you're looking for a slasher this this will disappoint you immensely yeah. Uh, I what I liked it better this time. Um, I saw it ages ago on on video, and it was like cut and mm. and uh, cropped, and so you couldn't appreciate the photography. And and uh, uh, you know, uh, I was expecting a slasher first time I saw it. That's what we were expecting. But yeah, you're you're cheated in, in this if you if that's what you're after. Yeah. It's like a series of murders and yeah. The- police handling the in-between stuff yeah so it's more of a jello because like uh, the, the the policemen are incompetent yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> i mean that basically the killer has to you know literally smack into them yeah right. and they still mess it up <laughs> and i like his his small wisecracking friend yeah he, he's, Taj he's or whatever Armenian, his isn't he yeah yeah, yeah he says Taj, as much yeah. yeah he was good yeah he's probably my favorite part of the movie yeah, he's the guy yeah. who says the old head in a fish tank bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> this movie was shot really well it looked good yeah do you know who the dp was who was the dp uh, mark Irwin. where do where do we know him from uh you know him from cronenberg oh okay, oh, okay. So that makes a lot of sense so he'd already done uh, fast company in the brood oh and uh then 81 he did scanners okay and 83 okay. He did videodrome and then he did the dead zone and the fly that's wow. why this the look of this felt familiar and yeah. and very skilled. I think the flowers is his last one in the Cronenberg, and then he did Scream in the nineties. Yeah, but he's he's done loads of stuff. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, it's because got that it's that kind of glowy early eighties look to knows it. Knows how to shoot mm-hmm. a city. Yeah, knows how to shoot interiors. Yeah, it, yeah, it looked glow. It did look good. Yeah, well, I was watching this thinking he's doing a lot more than what he's given to work with. <laughs> well, it's got a lot of. Uh, you know, experienced professionals on this film. Yeah. Yeah. It was very well made. There was nothing you could criticize as far as like technical aspects of Mm -hmm. the film. I just found the overall story kind of dull. Right. When it all came down to it, there was not enough there uh, with any of the characters to really make them stand out in any way. It was all kind of by the book and, Maybe if I hadn't seen movies like this done better, this would be okay. But yeah. having seen better movies of 
you know, this type, it just left me feeling kind of cold. Like, oh, it looks good, and I'm kind of interested. And when she's being followed home by the bus boy, mm-hmm. was kind of like, ooh, this is a little intense. I mean... Yeah, a little, little bit tenebrae, a little bit yeah. cat people. Uh-huh, right, yeah, yeah, right. totally. And uh, just overall, the story was just kind of... Uh, and then the twist was not enough. Right. I mean, they're... The writer said she was inspired by uh, reading an article on headhunting. Like, how do you leave out shrunken heads at the end? I mean, that's where headhunting goes. You, you have a cabinet at the end where everybody's head's shrunken. <laughs> right. And then you have the person explain their madness before they're put down in a hail of gunfire or something. Should I be uh, headhunty geeky for a bit? Yeah. It's uh, so like the shrunken heads are censors, and they're from Ecuador. Yeah. This particular tribe in Ecuador, but the headhunting that they're talking about in this movie of Indonesia, yeah. But still, where, I mean, where they they uh, take on the the uh, qualities of the person they eat. Oh, okay. But she wasn't eating any of it. No, but so, take, taking their heads. And then she stuck it in water, right? In a bucket or a fish yeah, tank. Yeah, I don't get that. Which I didn't get either. She she. I mean, it's explained in the movie as, like, uh, purifying it or Yeah, something. it's supposed to purify their sins away, which yeah, I guess, baptism. The, but the, that's not really... The heads are a lot cleaner before she sticks them in whatever yeah, exactly. water's available. So I thought, as long <laughs> as they're going nuts on this... Yeah. Uh, I wish they had gone more giallo and made more of the extravagant murder scene. Exactly, yeah. More that, impact to them. That felt very... Just kind of perfunctory and all yeah. the times. Um, I don't know. So do, do you know what? So the music's by Brad Fidel. Yeah. What else did he do? Uh, Terminator series. And... Oh, yeah, okay. He, he uh, let's see, he did Terminator, Terminator 2, uh, Fright Night, Fright Night 2, Serpent in the Rainbow, Blue Steel, Johnny Mnemonic. He did a bunch of really kind of synth heavy, cool yeah. stuff from the era. Yeah, the Fright Night stuff sounded great. Um, I don't know if you remember from us mm-hmm. having watched it, but but the mood of Fright Night was all, you know, like if you took the music out of it and put something else in, you know, that wasn't that kind of synth, Mysterio kind of sounding stuff. Jazzy know. cartoon music from the 20s. <laughs> yeah, that would have screwed the whole thing up. Am I right? <laughs> Public domain. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Night of the Living Dead. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> not even that, not even sinister, just like, corny <laughs> right uh, i always like that stuff from the uh, 50s and 60s like that they would have like the busy city street like music yeah they would all have that really busy music going yeah. on yeah <laughs> yeah i, I want to get like whole albums of that stuff <laughs> i like it um so as far as this movie uh and its success or lack thereof uh I couldn't find anything on box office about it. I read, uh, made a million and a half. Profit? Pro- uh, well, I don't know if profit, that's just box office. Oh, that's not a lot. A million and a half dollars. Even in its day, that's not a and lot. And I didn't see how much it costs, so. Well, it had to cost more than that, I would think, in its day. I don't know. It didn't have anybody in it that you cared about. Yet, yeah. <laughs> People started to care about Rachel Ward later. Yeah, but she had to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah. She did two slashes in the eighty-one. 
Oh, okay. What's the other one? Uh, the Final Terror, oh. which didn't get released for another couple of years. Oh. But I got by the time that was released, several people were famous from it. Ah. Oh. So, um, yeah. Do you think they could have gotten a, a slightly more hunky actor for the professor guy? He was um, uh, what's Drew name? Snyder. Drew Snyder, yeah, he was in Death Wish Two. Okay. Commando. Yeah, he just didn't didn't seem to have a whole lot of charisma or great looks to be like uh, drawing all the you know all the awesome women he had. All the staff at this school are sleeping with their students. Well, yes. Well, I say all. Oh, you only see two of them. You only right. see the two. Yes, I did enjoy that the matron of the school was picking up the cast-offs from the <laughs> professor yeah um which was a nice kind of sleazy detail that you get in other jallows that she this want, was lacking in she wants to comfort them right into her bed yes yeah you know uh, but yeah i think they could have done better you know maybe they should have switched uh, the detective was like more charming and better looking. They should have just switched the two of them. Did you find him charming? He was a bit of a jerk, I thought. Well, he was rude. I would say the actor had the capability. Yeah, uh, yeah he uh, was. The actor was good. But yeah, he was a bit standoffish yeah, as, as a yeah, yeah as a detective. Was a jerk. But I could see where he could have played like a a charming, smarmy right. kind of dude. You know, like you you want that that professor who's getting all that action to be like you know, feasibly capable of doing that. And this guy just was kind of... You didn't sit in on this guy's classes, so... <laughs> Apparently <laughs> not. Real panty droppers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was really fogging up the windows in that classroom, yeah. apparently. But, uh, yeah, he, he just he seemed to me more like a game show host as far as, you know, his looks and demeanor. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, we had... Uh, Joseph Sicarius What Taj. game show host would you say he was? Well, he he had the good looks of like Gene Rayburn. Okay. You know, that, that kind of level. All right. But but not the charm of Richard Dawson. No, no. No, no nobody's God's got that. This is um, Leonard, Leonard Mann. Yeah. Uh, or did Leonard Mann play the detective? He was, he was the lieutenant. Um, oh, no. That, yeah, that's Leonard Mann. Is the, yeah, you're right. the lieutenant. Uh, who was Judd the, Austin. Judd no, who was the professor? Uh, the professor was Drew Snyder. That's the as, guy you as think Vin, was like a game show host? Yeah. yeah. Okay, Vincent Millett. Yeah, he looks, yeah, he yeah, looks yeah. of a game show host. Um, and Joseph Sakari was Taj. I don't know if we know him from anything else, but I liked I him. I don't know. He should have been in everything back then. Yeah, Leonard Mann, I'd, he'd, be in, he'd been in a jello called Death Steps in the Dark. Huh. And, uh, Do you remember if it was any good? I don't remember if, if I've seen that. Oh, okay. And he was also in uh, uh, The Monster of Florence. And he was also in Silent Night, Deadly Night 3. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> Prestige. Yeah, I would watch that. Yeah. I haven't yet, but I would. Um, yeah. Uh, watch Deadly Night, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, we better start planning now for our, our holiday episodes. <laughs> it was uh, It was rough. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Just just rewatch Christmas Evil. Christmas Evil is the best one out there. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should do like all of the uh all of the tag tag along or or whatever you want to call it uh Krampus movies. Like they 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 No, no more Krampus movies. Don't. 
Trappist movies. <laughs> they, so there's they're worse than I could imagine. Oh, I'm not watching those again. I am not watching any more Krampus movies. I okay. watched the one, and that was enough. They yeah, it's downhill oof. from there. Yeah. So what do we what do we need from Christmas horror? What do we need? Do we need possessed snowmen? Do we need we need Christmas themed kills? Christmas themed kills. Yes. Okay. So we need killers who are breaking in. By dropping through the chimney, yeah, they've got to be dressed as Santa or a snowman or yeah, something. An elf, yeah, a big elf, yeah. I can see. Who that. Lops people's heads off and wraps them up and puts them under the tree. I like it. See how hard there was that? Go. No, you let's know? just make another damn Krampus movie instead. Will has a perfectly good idea. And it's an elf, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get Will Ferrell or a lookalike to play the elf. Ooh. I like that idea. Yeah. Like a Will Ferrell lookalike. Oh, that was the dumbest thing that happened at that HearstCon uh, <laughs> There expo. was a Will Ferrell lookalike? No. Somebody was standing there looking at my my rack of candles, and uh, I had uh, all of my punk rock candles out and the Lebowski gang and all this stuff. And this woman's there with her friend, and she's like, <laughs> Will Ferrell. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't have Will Ferrell on any of these damn candles. <laughs> And the only one I could figure was Johnny Rotten. I mean, that's the only one that even remotely resembled him. Uh, if you go down the list, okay, Freddy Krueger doesn't look like him. Uh, Michael Myers doesn't look like Will Ferrell. Uh, Joey Ramone certainly doesn't. Sid Vicious doesn't. Um, Jeff Bridges, no. Nope, nope. All the way down the line, nope, Maybe. nope, nope. The only one that remotely looks like, and I'm thinking... Like when, when they prick Will Ferrell's finger in Elf and he screams, the silent scream that he does in the doctor's office. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. But it's like, look closer, dum-dum. That is not Will Ferrell. I want to see Will Ferrell play Michael Myers now. Ah, he's big enough. Yeah. And you not got... funny. Not funny at all. I want it totally serious, totally straight. Mm-hmm. You don't know. He doesn't do anything Will Ferrell, but it's just in the credits. Oh, that he's just in the suit, yeah. The shape. Yeah, he's the shape. Will Ferrell. Yeah. The same Will Ferrell? <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> did, you, did you ever see that he did a drum off against the drummer from the Red Hot Chili Peppers? They look a lot alike. No, I didn't realize that. People were making physical comparisons to uh, Chad, whatever his last name is. Um, Chad, the drummer from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, I that, believe it's his name, yeah. his legal name. Yeah. Um, Because people didn't recognize him. He went on one of the late night shows and they did a drum off where they just had like a big drumming competition. And uh, yeah. Did he win? Well, I don't know if the applause meter was how they judged it. This Uh, this was probably two years ago. But yeah, they look a lot alike. hmm. Johnny Rotten, not so much. Mm. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, back to the movie. Um, Yeah, so we had... uh, Okay, so the ending of this thing. um, So we got the, the... the twist, the double twist, and the fake mm-hmm. out. Super duper. Women are doing it for themselves. Yes. Jean was very empowered by this film. Was she? No. <laughs> I would hope she wasn't. Um, we, we are, we are told that uh, the lieutenant has figured out that she's the killer. Yeah, he figures it out. And that he's just gonna just wave it on. Like it's okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because everyone gets a pass. Reasons. 
Uh, speaking of accents, like uh, they're doing the priest is at the the funeral, uh-huh. and it sounds like he says "eternal peace." Eternal peace. Oh, yeah. wow! Um, it took me a second to figure out what he actually said. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it, it just it seemed weird to me that uh, yeah that this detective is just going to be like yeah it's it's cool. <laughs> well, I guess he had figured it out enough that she wouldn't kill anymore if. Mm. The professor wasn't philandering. That's right. So, That's until, true. I don't know, her son grows up and starts dating and mom has to kill right. again. Right, Sequel. Yeah, her last name was Voorhees, by the way. Was it? Yeah, so there you go. Hey. Going forward. All right. <laughs> she sends him off to camp. We should spread the rumor that this is a... It's a prequel prequel to uh the movie that came out the same year <laughs> the year before <laughs> oh that's right it came out in 80 didn't it yeah 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 wow all right so uh yeah the the funny the funny way that police can just let murder go right the yeah. funny way yeah there's yeah. lots of times yeah so this, this is directed by ken hughes this is his final movie yeah yeah i saw that too Did you know what he else what he else did? has he done he did uh, Chi 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 Bang Bang. Yes. Okay. He was a writer on that, or did he also direct? He might. Uh, he he might was definitely the director. Okay. He but might have also definitely been a got a scary character. Yeah. In that, the child catcher. The child yeah. catcher is pretty scary. Yeah. And he also did uh, The Trials of Oscar Wilde in 1960. Yes. He was one of several directors on Casino Royale in 67. Oh. Uh, yeah. Cromwell, which is a good historical movie in 70. He started in like around fifty three, if I remember right. Like I looked at Is his. Is that Thomas Cromwell or Oliver? Oliver, and uh, he, yeah, he did this uh, James fifty science fiction film called The Atomic Man. Uh, that was in the mid fifties, I think. Uh, okay. And then uh, in the mid seventies, he did one called The Eternacine Project, uh, where the victims are also A B C D on the poster. Oh. Mm. Nice. So, all of these people had some good work behind them, and uh, unfortunately, this was his last film. Right. Way to go out on a high note. Well, like, uh, this year, Rachel Ward was also in Sharky's Machine, which is a good thriller. Have you seen that one? I never, I never did see that. Uh, Burt Reynolds. Yeah, long, long time ago. Yeah, that's, that's quite a fun. One. That was du- that was during like peak Burt Reynolds, and I felt a bit of. Burt Reynolds burnout. Sat- <laughs> burnout, yeah. The saturation of Burt Reynolds got to be a bit much. Burnt out. Burnt uh, <laughs> Reynolds. Uh, the year <laughs> after she was in uh, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid with Steve Oh, Martin. yeah. I I've really liked that. that. Have you rewatched it? No, I saw it. I didn't. Yeah. I thought it was really clever. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was one of those, like, funny. the idea was funny, but yeah, the movie itself was just kind of like, yeah, it would have been better at, like, a half hour short or something. Uh, okay. Because mm-hmm. it was like the What's Up, Tiger Lily. Yeah. Yeah. Kind he of just a, cut in yeah. old movies and he reacts to them. And, cleaning woman. A cleaning woman. Yeah. It's no the jerk. It's not the it's not no the jerk no it's you're not right. the no to the jerk no uh yeah the jerk is priceless yeah i didn't like that iron ball mcginty became iron bill mcginty when they did the edit for tv oh yeah because he's writing what all the, the checks what did the, people. the dog becomes stupid i think yeah instead of shithead instead of shithead <laughs> yeah i don't know how old i was before i realized that 
Oh, you saw it on TV I first? I saw it on TV first. Oh. I always saw it on TV, and then I was like, oh, I finally watched it on you know DVD or something. There was so, a novelization of The Jerk, if I remember right. Oh, my God. I'm pretty sure there was. I'm sure there was, because that, that was a big thing back then. Yeah. Every movie had a novelization. That's so crazy. That's how you could, you know, watch movies before you, you could, you know, before Terminator 2 came out or whatever. Yeah. You'd read the book. And a lot of times it had nothing to do with the actual movie. They or, were usually close, at least when I read them, they, the ones I read, but they were definitely expanded scenes that were either from the script or the the writer needed some padding in there. Yeah. So for next uh, next well, week's show, oh, did I, did... I just wanted to mention the uh, the blade that she uses in this movie is a kukri, which is a Nepalese. Yes, from the from the Gurkha warriors. Yes, yeah, yes, the the royal Gurkhas still carry them. Yeah. And uh, this is used in a very famous horror story. Hmm. What was it? Dracula. Oh. Jonathan Harker uses a kukri to slit Dracula's throat. Oh, interesting. You remember me telling you that my dad collected uh, a lot of uh, exotic weapons and antiques? He had a couple of those Mm -hmm. that were pretty damn old. Like back in the 70s, these things were pretty old then. They had little knives on the scabbard that were, he, he was told jokingly i think that uh, oh yeah they use those to clean their toenails <laughs> but i don't think that was true but yeah there's a little knife on the side or two knives but uh huh. in, in addition to the one that was in the scabbard or sheath whatever are they just decorative i don't know maybe they were for just like if you don't want to take the whole big knife out because you just have to cut some small thing then you know you want to butter your toast are you going to really whip out that huge machete <laughs> But yeah, that yeah, those are those are definitely some uh, some formidable weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, you were gonna say oh for next week. Oh, uh, do do we still want to do vampire comedies? Vampire comedies. Okay. Yeah, fine stuff. Okay. Um, I am I am interested to do a couple of them that I've always dismissed, but I've never watched. Um, Dracula Dead and Loving It, and what's the other one? Transylvania Six Five Thousand. Okay. Are the two that I always wanted to groan. I'm not going to watch that. Right. Um, I I will consider those. I will consider others. But if we each want to pick one or if we all want to watch the same thing, I'm cool either way. How do you you feel about it? Um, Yeah. If I can find either of those, I'll watch them. Okay. Uh, If you're stuck, then I've got Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein and uh, carry on screaming. Ooh, carry on screaming. Which is what we should have called this podcast. If I had heard that before, I would have said, dude, we should call it that. <laughs> so if we ever decide it's to... probably trademarked. Eh, what, what are they going to do? Sue us? Yeah. What are they gonna, hundreds of tens of dollars. Are they going to take our recording equipment in this table? Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> okay. Well, let's do that. Vampire comedies for next week. Um, anything else before we get out of here? I don't think so. All right. Well, All right. listeners, thank you for listening. Okay. Stay off the moors. Bye.